0: Hey, I'm Markia. Wanna hear something scary? No thanks, I'm good. Besides that though, hi, I'm Jay and welcome to my podcast. On today's episode of the Six Form Life, we're gonna be doing a little bit of a Halloween special by telling stories from around the world. Horror of course. And to help me out in this episode, I'm gonna bring back a couple of friends, like this guy. Hi! So, grab yourself some drinks, snacks, make yourself comfy and buckle up. Because this is episode six of the six form life. So let's get into it. The first story comes from the Philippines and it's called the Tikwi. Let's get into it. The Philippines is full of incredible mythology and fantastic creatures. My grandpa has always been a believer of these myths. That's because he's experienced them. And this is what he told me. I lived in a rural town in the Visayan Islands of the Philippines. I was in my mid twenties and working late one night. It was about two o'clock in the morning and I began to walk my way to the bus station. My way lit only by the full moon. I've walked this path many times. I passed by a house that had a dog in the yard that would always bark at me when I passed. But tonight it just stared and just watched as I walked by. That's when I heard it, a very strange sound at a distance. <coughs> I had heard of the tiki, sometimes known as the wakwak or aswan. It separates from the lower half of its body to fly around in the night, searching for any living soul to rip out their hearts with their talon feet and feast. And when you hear its call, cool, you know its hungry. So I continued walking towards the bus station and I could still faintly hear the call and I saw there was a security booth with a guard inside. I didn't want to wait at the bus station alone, so I slipped inside the booth and waited with the guard. I still wasn't sure if I'd imagined the sound, but by the look of the guards face, I'm pretty sure he heard it too. So we both just sat there, motionless. Finally, the bus arrived and I ran out the booth and onto the bus and rode all the way home. The sound of the tiqui growing fainter and fainter. The next day, I told my co-workers what had happened, and that's been what one of them told me. Tiquis are master tricksters. The further away they sound, the closer they are. <laughs> this next story, which was also sent in by another viewer, is called a duende. This is also a Filipino-based story. Let's get into it. So this is a story that my aunt told me that happened to her when she was in her mid-20s. She was living in the Philippines at the time, and she had a niece who was a freshman in high school. So one day, the high school called her up and said, You need to get over here right now. Your niece is acting weird. My aunt had literally no idea of what they were talking about. So when she got to the school, her niece was sitting on a chair, and she looked really out of it. And if anyone tried to touch her, she would violently hit their hand away and yell at them in a cold, deep voice that clearly wasn't hers. They had no idea what to do, so they called the sheriff of the town to see if he had any ideas. So the sheriff got there and it was pretty clear to him that she had probably been possessed by something. So he asked her, What are you doing to this girl? Why are you here? She hurt my children. She stepped on my house. Wait, how is that even possible? Where is your house? Outside of the school. So there's this Filipino superstition you shouldn't step on ant hills or termite hills, basically any mound of dirt in the ground because there's a creature that lives in them called the duende duendes are sort of similar to elves or goblins and they're invisible to most people but they do show themselves to children or some adults that they choose they mostly leave you alone but if you mess with them they can bring you a lot of bad luck and misfortune and in the worst case death right outside the school is filled with ant hills. Unfortunately, my aunt's niece didn't know about this rule, so the sheriff started pleasing with this spirit inside of her. She's just a kid. I'm sure it was just an accident. What can we do so that you will forgive her and leave her alone? Get bananas, oranges and salt and bring it to my house. So they went to the store and they got a bunch of fruit and salt and placed it all around the anthills that were outside the school. When they went back inside the school, my aunt's niece was totally normal. She didn't even know what happened. She didn't even remember speaking in any weird voice. She just thought that she had fallen asleep. My aunt is a super sane person. I have no reason to believe that she would ever lie to me about this. Something that makes this story a little weirder for me is that this isn't the first story about a duende that my family members had told me. So my mom that a family used to live in Hawaii when she was younger, When my uncle was three years old. One day, he sort of just went missing for a few hours and so everyone was looking for him. A few hours later, he just showed up at the front door and they were like, where did you go? And he said, "I'll." I was playing with little people, so my family's pretty convinced that the little people he was playing with were the Wendys. <coughs> this story isn't really around the world, but it's from Newport Beach, California. Nevertheless, let's get into it. A few years ago, there was a pretty well-off family that lived in a really big house in Newport Beach, California. A mother, a father, and two small kids. One night, the parents decided they wanted a night out for themselves, so they hired a babysitter. They were maybe around 16. When the babysitter got there, the parents gave him a little rundown of what to do, and the mum pulled them aside and said, two you is tucking the kids in, do you mind watching TV in our bedroom? The kids have been having nightmares lately and waking up screaming, and our room is next to theirs, so it's a lot easier to get to them. Yeah, sure, I can do that. So the babysitter and the two small children went goodbye to their parents, and after a few hours of watching TV, it was time for bed. But as they were tucking them in, one of the kids said, Please... What? you not the clown cares? Of course, I won't let anything happen to you. So they turned off the lights and went next door to the parents room like the mum had asked. But the second that they stepped inside, they froze. In the far corner of the room, there was a clown statue. Just a really lifelike, detailed, creepy-ass statue. No wonder these kids are having these nightmares. They thought to themselves. So they went and sat on the bed and they tried to watch on TV, but they just kept looking over at the statue. Was the statue looking at them like that before? Eventually, it got way too creepy for them, so they decided to go downstairs to the living room and watch TV in there, until the parents come back. So they're watching some TV for a while, and then their phone rings and it's the parents just checking in. Hey, we're on our way home. Just wanted to check in and see how things are going. Oh no, everything's great. The kids are all asleep and in bed. I hope it's okay, but I decided to watch TV downstairs. Your statue is really creeping me out. Get the kids. Now. Wait, what? Get the kids and get out of the house now. We don't have a statue. Just then, they heard screams. They dropped the phone and ran up to the stairs. The bedroom seemed so much farther than it did before. They opened the door, but they were too late. (laughs) So this next story is a cool one. That's all I could say about it, really. It's called Playing With A Ghost. Let's get into it. So there's this aunt, their cousin, and their younger brother, Charlie, who was maybe three at the time. They were walking into their house in Glendale. So the aunt and the older cousin were talking outside of the master bedroom and Charlie was playing in the room by himself. Out of nowhere, they hear Charlie start to scream. So the aunt and the cousin go inside the room to see what's wrong and they see Charlie crying hysterically and grabbing books and toys and pillows and just throwing them into this one corner of the room. They ask him, Charlie, what's wrong? Tell her all right God I don't want to play with her. So the aunt and the cousin grab Charlie and they get out of the house and they head to McDonald's to go get a Happy Meal so that they can calm him down. When they got home, they remembered that Charlie had made a huge mess in the room. So they went to go and clean it up. But when they went inside the room, everything was already put away. We're leaving again. So they left the house again. So the aunt was telling the neighbour at the time what had happened and what Charlie said that he saw. Her neighbour then told her that a little girl actually died in that complex 15 years ago they moved out about 6 months later after that (coughs) this story I believe comes from either Tumblr or Reddit it's called the Black Eyed Children and nevertheless it gives me the fucking chills so the basic story is generally always the same you're in your house then in the middle of the night you hear a knock on the door if you open the door you see two young children with completely black eyes they'll ask if they can come in whatever you do Do not let them in Whether they actually exist or not, this is the creepiest thing I found online This woman made the mistake of letting the black eyed children in This is what happened So this woman and her husband lived in a rural town in Vermont Sort of in the middle of nowhere One snowy night, they were awoken at 2am to find a really loud banging on the door so they open the door and they see a young boy and a young girl and they're definitely not appropriately dressed for the snow. They're avoiding eye contact and just staring at the ground. There was something really uneasy about these kids. So they asked them, Where are your parents? They'll be here soon. Can we come in? So the woman and her husband just look at each other and despite all of their instincts telling them not to, they decided to let the children in. So the woman went into the kitchen to make everyone some hot chocolate and her husband went into the living room and was sitting with the kids trying to get more information out of them. That's when she noticed that her cat was acting really weird. Usually her cat is really friendly and tries to approach any guests that come into the house but this time he just hid underneath the kitchen table and was staring at these kids, growling very lowly. So the woman took the hot chocolate and went into the living room and she noticed that her husband had his head in his hands i feel really dizzy the woman went to hand the hot chocolate to the children and that's when they looked up at her for the first time their eyes were completely black no whites just black maybe use the restroom and the kids left for the hallway the woman turned to her husband and said did you see their eyes her husband lifted his head up and his nose was bleeding but just then (laughs) The power went out. she couldn't help but think that the presence of the children had something to do with this, so the woman stumbled her way over to the bathroom to see if she could get a tissue, and the two children were just standing in the hallway. So the kids went out to the front door, left it wide open, and the woman saw these two really tall, dark men in dark suits standing at the edge of the driveway. The woman waved at them, but they didn't react at all. They went in their car, and all four of them drove away. The power came back on about half an hour later, but not everything went back to normal. A few days later, three out of their four cats were missing and one night they came back home to find their cat dead in a puddle of its own blood. Her husband continued to have nosebleeds and when he went to the doctor, he was diagnosed with a very aggressive type of skin cancer, a type that's linked to overuse of indoor tanning beds, which he's never used. She also claimed that she was getting nosebleeds and feeling really dizzy randomly, and even some unspeakable things that she refused to disclose in her story. (laughs) This is your intermission block, I repeat, this is your intermission block. Pause here so you can grab yourself some drinks, snacks, make yourself more comfy and do whatever you need to do. I'll see you in a bit. To the people who did actually pause, um, welcome back. I hope that you have replenished your stash of food and drink and that you've done whatever you needed to do and you've gotten yourself more, or just generally, comfy. And to the people who didn't stop, because they generally had done all of that at the start anyway, welcome back also. In this second half, we're still going to continue with the stories, so no difference. Let's get into it. This is a story about a young woman who checked into the Cecil Hotel and never checked out. The Cecil Hotel is in downtown LA and has been around since around 1927. And ever since the opening day, it's had a very dark history. At one point, it even housed the famous serial killer, Richard Ramirez, who murdered his victims in his hotel room. There have also been numerous incidents of guests jumping out of windows and unsold deaths, just like the one I'm about to tell you. In January 2013, a young woman named Elisa Lamb flew to LA from Canada and checked into the Cecil Hotel. Originally, she was placed in a hostel-style room where she shared it with a couple of other guests. But after two days, the front desk got a call. Hi, I'd like to make a complaint. The woman I'm sharing a room with is acting very odd. I don't feel comfortable. Is there any way you could move her? So, Elisa was moved to a room of her own, and that was the last time anyone saw her. During her trip, she kept in frequent touch with her parents back home. When they didn't hear from her when she was supposed to be leaving LA, they became worried and called the LAPD. Around the same time, the front desk kept getting more complaints. The water pressure in the shower is so low. The tap water's black. So, due to all the complaints, a hotel staff member went up to the roof to inspect the water tanks. He noticed that one of them was open. He looked inside, and that's when he found Elisa floating in the tank. To this day, nobody knows how she got in there undetected, but there are a lot of theories. Elisa had bipolar disorder and depression and was on prescription medication to help her keep in balance. She kept a blog where she wrote about all her struggles with her illness and seemed to be very open about it, using Tumblr as kind of like a diary. Her post is still there to this day. The most logical conclusion is that Elisa was off the medication, broke from reality, and drowned herself in the water tank. Another theory is that she was playing the elevator game. Now, the elevator game is a ritual that originated on the Korean website. When performed properly, you can supposedly be transported to another dimension. In order to play, you need a building that has at least 10 levels. It's best played at night since you need to be completely alone. You enter the elevator and you go to different floors in a particular order. Once you reach the 5th floor, a woman will get on with you. Whatever you do, don't look at her or speak to her. She She isn't isn't human. When you reach the 10th floor, you exit the elevator and enter a new dimension. You'll still be in the hotel, but only you exist. Be careful. In this dimension, your cell phone won't work and you may feel disorientated and faint. If you wake up without having taken the proper steps to come back to our world, strange things may happen. So what does the elevator game have to do with Elisa Lam? After news had spread of her bizarre death, a surveillance video from one of the hotel elevators went viral. It showed Elisa acting very oddly in an elevator, pressing random buttons and talking to seemingly nobody. If you search it up on YouTube, you'll find the actual surveillance video. But then here lies the question, was she playing the elevator game? The Cecil Hotel has since rebranded itself to stay on Main. They can change their signs, but they can never change what happened within its walls. So this story is called Midnight Ghost Attack. So, we've all had horrific nightmares at some point in our lives, and just when it feels like there's no hope for you, you wake up safe in your bed. But what if waking up wasn't enough? What if the demon was still there? So this guy, we'll call him Mike, was attending law school and lived by himself in an apartment in Fullerton, California. Apparently one of the most haunted cities in the Orange County. In the first few months of living there he started seeing things and feeling things when he watched tv it felt like someone was watching him when he'd walk into a room he'd see someone standing here just before he turned the lights on to find the room empty living alone is probably messing with me he thought to himself one friday night mike was washing dishes in his kitchen when he suddenly got the very strong feeling that someone was standing right behind him he looked in the reflection of the butter knife he was washing it was his grandmother She had died five years before. She looked incredibly concerned and was pointing towards the door. He turned around but there was no one there. Creeped out he decided to spend the weekend at a friend's place. When he came back home on Monday he had forgotten all about his grandmother's visit and later that night he had a terrible dream. He found himself in a dark alleyway face to face with this woman whose face was completely covered in shadows and yet he could still make out her black eyes. She kept pointing towards his old building in a distance like she wanted him to follow her. But he kept hearing his grandmother's voice in the back of his head. Leave. Get out. So he started to back away from the shadow-faced lady. Then she lunged at him, grabbing his wrists so tight that they stung on it cold knives. The moment she touched him, Mike could somehow see all of these evil things that she had done in her past. He managed to kick her off of him just as he woke up. His heart was racing and his wrists were still stinging. Before he could catch his breath though, the shadow-faced lady appeared again, grabbed his wrists and pulled him out of bed. This isn't real, this isn't real, this can't be happening. He kept thinking to himself. He threw her off of him and she slammed into the couch so hard that it moved out of place along with some other furniture. Slowly, she stood back up, looked at him with her soulless eyes, winked and began to vanish from her stomach outward. He fell back onto his bed. He'd laid there awake until the sun rose. Still in disbelief, he sat up and looked at his living room furniture. Everything was still knocked out of place. This was definitely not a dream. He went to the church, got some blessed crosses and placed them around his apartment. The woman never appeared again. To this day, he still is not sure what attacked him that night, but he knows that his grandma was trying to warn him. So this last story is called My Deadly Routine. And personally, I think this is one of my favourites. Let's get into it. Also, author's note, this is in the first person. Have you ever forgotten your phone? When did you realise you'd forgotten it? The realisation probably didn't dawn on you spontaneously. More likely, you reached for your phone and were momentarily confused by not being there. Then you did a mental recap of the morning's events. Shit. In my case, my phone's alarm woke me up as normal, but I realised the battery was lower than I expected. So, I put it on the counter to charge while I showered, instead of into my bag like normal. It was a momentary slip from the routine, but that was all it took. Once in the shower, my brain got back into the routine. It follows every morning. And that was it. Forgotten. This wasn't just me being clumsy as I later researched. This is a recognised brain function. For example, if you're walking somewhere, you think about your destination and avoiding hazards. you don't need to think about keeping your legs moving properly. I wasn't thinking about regulating my breathing. I was thinking whether I should grab a coffee on the drive to work. I wasn't thinking about moving my breakfast through my intestines. I was wondering whether I'd finish on time to pick my daughter Emily up from nursery after work, or get stuck with another late fee. This is the thing. There's a level of your brain that just deals with the routine so that the rest of the brain can think about other things. Most people call it autopilot, but there's danger with it. If you have a break in your routine, your ability to remember and account for the break It's only as good as your ability to stop your brain going into routine mode. But I didn't stop my brain from entering routine mode. I got in the shower as normal. Routine started, exception forgotten. Autopilot engaged. I showered, I shaved, the radio forecasted amazing weather. I gave Emily her breakfast and loaded her into the car. She was so adorable that morning. She complained about the bad sun in the morning blinding her, saying it stopped her having a little sleep on the way to the daycare. That was the routine. It didn't matter that my phone was on the counter, charging silently. My brain was in routine, and in the routine, my phone was in my bag. This is why I forgot my phone. Not clumsiness, not negligence, nothing more than my brain entering routine mode and overriding the exception. Autopilot engaged. I left for work. It was a sweltering hot day already. The bad sun had been burning before my traitorously absent phone woke me. The steering wheel was burning hot to the touch when I sat down. I heard Emily shift over behind my driver's seat to get out the glare. But I got to work, submitting my report, attending the morning meeting. It wasn't until I took a quick coffee break and reached for my phone that the illusion shattered. I did a mental restep. I remember the dying battery. I remember plugging it into the wall. I remember leaving it there. My phone was on the counter. Autopilot disengaged. Again, there lies the danger. Until you have that moment, The moment where you reach for your phone has shattered the illusion. That part of the brain is still in routine mode. The day continued to bake. The morning haze gave way to the relentless fever heat of the afternoon. Tarmac bubbled. The direct beams of heat threatened to crack the pavement. People swapped coffees for ice smoothies. Jackets discarded, sleeves rolled up, tires loosened, brows mopped. The park slowly filled up with sunbathers and barbecues. Window frames threatened to warp. The thermometer continued to swell. Thank fuck the offices were air-conditioned. Still cursing myself for forgetting my phone, I drove home. The day's heat had baked the inside of the car, releasing a horrible smell from somewhere. When I arrived on the driveway, the stones crunching comfortingly under my tyres, my wife greeted me at the door. Uh, where's Emily? Fuck. As if the phone wasn't bad enough, and after everything I had done, I'd left Emily at fucking daycare after all. I immediately sped back to the nursery and started practicing my excuses, wondering vainly if I could charm my way out of a late fee. I saw a piece of paper stuck to the door though. Due to vandalism overnight, please use the side door, today only. Overnight? What? The door was fine this mo- I froze. My knees shook. Vandals. A change in the routine. I hadn't been here this morning. My phone was on the counter. I had driven past because I was drinking my coffee. I didn't drop Emily off. My phone was on the counter. She moved her seat. I hadn't seen her in the mirror. My phone was on the counter. She'd fallen asleep out of the bad sun. She didn't speak when I drove past her daycare. My phone was on the counter. She changed the routine. My phone was on the counter. She changed the routine and I forgot to drop her off. My phone was on the counter. Nine hours. That car. That baking car no air no water no power no help that heat a steering wheel too hot to touch that smell i walked to the car door numb shock i opened the door my phone was on the counter and my daughter was dead autopilot disengaged now before i end this episode here i have a little notice for a fan who listens regularly to this podcast dumbo happy birthday I believe you deserve the best day ever, and so do your friends. I hope you get spoiled rotten too. And with that last notice, I think that's the end of the episode. Thank you ever so much for listening. I hope you have a spectacular Halloween, and I shall see you soon. Cheers, bye.